This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. We will now have the scripture reading. Uh, please take the time to grab your Bibles and flip to Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 to 31. There's a typo on the slide, not to worry. So it's uh, chapter 4, verses 8 to 31. But the rest of the passage will be displayed on the slides. So I will be reading from the NIV. And after we've finished reading, I'll invite Pastor Andrew to explain the passage to us. Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 to 31. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us, so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who were never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, 
are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. This is the word of the Lord. Pastor Andrew, please. Hey, good morning, everyone. Really good to see all of you here, especially all the young people. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we really ask for your help. For today, as we look at your word, we really need to bridge the time, the culture, and the geography, and to understand uh, what your word is saying and, and to bring it into our context. So we pray for your help through your Holy Spirit working in our hearts. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So last, uh, last week I shared about how I was in boarding school in Australia. And I'd like to share another story about someone I knew from that time. So there was this Australian guy that I knew, really good student, uh, and uh, he was a year below me in boarding school. And he went to university and I bumped into him and he was doing well. But later on, a few years later, I bumped into him again and uh, he'd become addicted to smoking marijuana. And, uh, you know, he had that really zonked out look of someone who was just smoking all the time, getting high. And I found out that he actually dropped out of university and never finished university. He just kind of like spent all his time smoking and, 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 and being zoned out all the time. And uh, I never heard from him again. He just sort of dropped out of my circle of friends. There's another friend I had in Singapore many years ago. I still remember him. Uh, I still remember him quite fondly. He was a, a really, really good uh, tennis player. He was like a year ahead of me. And uh, he came from a good school, good family. And he was really quite a hunky, good-looking guy. His, uh, his mother was Chinese. His father was Caucasian. And I remember when I was growing up, he was like the most popular person around, right? You know, he was like this winner. Anyway, a few years ago, I bumped into a mutual friend of ours, and I said, you know, where is so-and-so? And I haven't seen this guy for ages. Where, where has he been? He said, oh, you know, um, this mutual friend of ours, he was in Thailand for a while, and he got caught by the police in a drug party. And uh, he was carrying lots of drugs. And uh, today, he's serving time in a Thai prison. Now, when I think of those two people, uh, I feel really sad, a bit heartbroken really, because I'd known them, and they'd begun well, and uh, things didn't go so well for them after that. Things had gone badly. I think beginning well and ending badly can happen to all of us. Right? Beginning well and ending badly can happen to all of us. And I think especially even more worrying is when that happens in our spiritual walk, in our walk in Christ. And that's what Galatians 4 is all about. It's about beginning well, but not ending badly. Continuing on in the Christian walk. Let's pay attention to what the Bible is saying here. So, oh, sorry. So in the passage that we uh, just looked at, um, before we get there, we need to remember the context, right? Because we're going to be referring a bit to the context of what we've been seeing so far in Galatians chapter 1 to 3. So Galatians chapter 1 to 3, we've already seen that Paul has been defending his ministry. Right? He's been saying repeatedly that his apostleship was from God. He was chosen. All his commissioned by Jesus Christ himself. It was a divine, supernatural calling. And therefore, the gospel that had been given to, uh, to Paul was actually given 
As a divine revelation, he divinely been entrusted to bring this gospel to the Gentiles. And over the last few weeks, we've seen that the core or the central part of this gospel that Paul was given was to clearly preach and clearly portray that Jesus Christ was crucified. Jesus Christ was crucified. Why? To redeem us from the curse of the law because he became the curse for us being hung on a tree. Now the context of why he needs to keep defending himself, his apostleship and the gospel that he's preaching, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, was because uh, in that time, these Gentile Christians were being tempted to not just have the gospel of Jesus Christ, but to add the law, to add to the gospel of Jesus Christ, circumcision, to add to the gospel of Jesus Christ, food laws, to add to the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jewish traditions, Paul says these things come under the rubric or the sphere of the works of the law, observing the works of the law. And so today we come to chapter 4. And so chapter 4 begins like this. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who were by nature not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces. Okay, we need to expand and, and, and you know, work through a bit of what Paul is saying here. Now, you'll notice that uh, Paul refers to them as you, okay? Formerly, when you, okay? So the you here is not some random you, okay? It's like, you know, you guys. Uh, the you here were the, the Galatian Christians. And the Galatian Christians were Gentiles. They were not Jews, okay? They were Gentiles. So therefore, he can say, Formerly, previously, right? You, Gentiles, you guys were pagans. You guys used to worship the idols. And when you did so, you made yourselves slaves to those who by nature were not gods. Now, this is uh, important for us. So I'm going to show you this um, uh, diagram. So this is the timeline of the Galatian people, okay, so to speak. And so, formerly, in the past... Uh, they used to go to the temple to worship their idols. And so Paul says that in reality, by willingly going to the temple and worshiping these idols, they were putting themselves, in a sense, under slavery to these spiritual forces, spiritual powers. Now this might seem very unusual for us, you know, because we are modern people living in a secular world, and we don't really, you know, we're not really acquainted to these spiritual forces unless, you know, you read horror novels or something. But in the biblical worldview, uh, the Bible is very, very clear that there are spiritual powers and forces in this world. And so we believe in the Almighty God. God is the foremost power over all things, right? But under God, there are spiritual forces and spiritual elements, which in a sense are rivaling uh, the power of God. And so what uh, Paul is saying here is, look, in the past, these Galatian Christians, when they willingly worship idols, they put themselves under the slavery of these spiritual forces. Now, I remember many years ago when I was in university, I had a good friend who was an Indonesian uh, guy, and he was like the most anti-spiritual, atheist person you know you could ever know. All right, He was like this uh, really secular party animal. He used to drink and smoke all the time. But I remember one day, in uh, some uh, quiet moment, he told me how... He was growing up, he grew up in this rich Indonesian Chinese family, 
his father used to go for long business trips and told him to take care of the altar. Because, you know, his family had this altar in his house. You know, and I can imagine my friend, right, this smoking party person, he like, in one ear, out the other, right? So his father told him to look after the family altar, and he said, ah, yeah, who cares about these things, right? So he didn't look after it for weeks and months. Then he said one day, this dark cloud, like, basically enveloped him. It was like, he, he, in his words, he was like wearing dark glasses all the time. Even during the day, everything was really dark. And, uh, you know, he felt this really oppressive feeling all the time. And so when his father came back, he recognized that he was some, under some sort of possession and, and, and got it cast out. And that's kind of like the reality of what the Bible is saying here. The Bible recognizes that uh, these idols are not just imaginary things, but they represent real spiritual power, spiritual uh, forces. And Paul is saying, look, formally, you willingly submitted yourself and enslaved yourself to these spiritual powers, right? these elemental forces. But now, he says, in the future, right, in the present time, so this is formal, but now you know God, or rather are known by God. Now this word here, known, is not intellectual, it's not of the mind, but rather it is of relationship. And so, last week, right, context is really important, last week, Paul made a point about how in Jesus Christ, you all, okay, so the same thing, remember, you always, you know, it's like talking about you, right, you Galatian Christians, you are all children of God through faith. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And again, in verse 6, for if you, because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So here, the Galatian Christians have a deep and intimate relationship with God. God recognizes them as His children. And that relationship is, is, is of such intimacy and depth that the Galatian Christians can actually call God, the Creator God, the Sovereign God, Abba Father. And so Paul is saying, look, this is a really big deal, right? Because in the past, you were under this enslavement of these spiritual elemental forces, but now, but now, okay, so these little flame things are the Holy Spirit, right, symbolizing it. Okay, so through the Holy Spirit and through the, 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 Jesus dying for them, they are now in the family of God. They are known by God. And that's a wonderful thing. And that's why Paul can't understand what's happening here, right? Because formerly they were under enslavement. Now they're free in Christ and through the Holy Spirit. So he asked them this question. Right? If you are known by God, this is your, and you are, if you know God, why are you turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Right? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? And so that's what Paul doesn't understand. He's like, okay, you, you've been freed from these elemental spirits. Why then do you want to? Turn back to them. And so the question that they may be asking is, how, how, how is this so? How are they turning back to enslavement to these elemental, powerful, spiritual forces? And the surprising thing that he says is, it is because now they are observing special days and months and seasons and years. And so what this uh, means is, uh, 
is that they were turning to the Jewish calendar. Right, so we've already seen in the context of the Galatians chapter 1 to 3, how they were turning to circumcision as part of the requirement of salvation. They were turning to food laws as a requirement of salvation. They were turning to Jewish customs as a requirement of salvation. And now they were following the Jewish calendar as a requirement of salvation. And so Paul says that when you turn to these things to add to Jesus Christ, right? And you're putting in your own human effort, what are you doing? You're actually going back to works of the law, just like before. And what happens is, when you do so, this is a new idea that he's bringing up here, right? You're giving these elemental forces the opportunity to put you to slavery once again. Because you can't keep the law, right? Which is what we remember, what we learned previously. That when they follow the Jewish calendar and the festivals and the months and the years, and they try to follow the law and try to justify themselves and save themselves, they're given these elemental spiritual forces, the opportunity to make them doubt their salvation. And I think that's very true. I remember many years ago, uh, there was someone who spoke to me and was telling me how, you know, uh, even though I was a Christian, I wasn't really obeying the Sabbath properly. I should obey the Sabbath on a Saturday, and there were lots of things I was doing wrong on the Sabbath, like, you know, I was doing too much work. And I was thinking to myself, you know, if I have to follow all these things, then every day after the Sabbath, I'll be questioning myself and asking myself, did I really obey all those things that I was supposed to do? Did I travel too far? Did I do too many things? You know, did I start at, 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 a, at the wrong time? And this gives an opportunity for spiritual forces to, to put doubt in me, take my focus away from the freedom I have and what Jesus Christ has done for me. Because now I'm, I'm doing the work, right? I have to do all these things. So the first thing that we learn here is that the Galatian Christians began well, but they were in danger of ending badly because they began in Christ, but they were tempted to go back to slavery under the law. Now, the second part of the passage, uh, it takes a different tone, right? So, says, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. Now, remember how I told you about how I felt deep inside of me when I heard about my friend who, you know, zoned out and get, dropped out of life because he was taking drugs all the time and smoking marijuana, and my other friend who was still in jail in, in Thailand? I felt really bad. You know, it, it struck me deeply. And here we see Paul has the same emotions, right? He's, he's putting it all out there in the letter. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, right? It's, it's, you know, he, these are people who mean a lot to Paul. He gets down on his knees and he says, so I'm begging you. And what exactly is he begging them for? He says this strange thing, right? Become like me, for I became like you. That's kind of weird, right? What does he mean, become like me, for I became like you? Again, the yous and the me's are important, right? Because the yous are the Gentiles, okay? The me's are the Jews. And so what Paul is saying here is, look, in the past, Paul, me, not me, Andrew, but Paul, right, was under the law. The Gentiles, the yous, they were not under the law. 
They were not Jews, they, they didn't obey the law. But after Paul became a Christian, what happened? Paul then became like the Gentiles, right? He was no longer under the law because Jesus Christ had died and redeemed him from the curse of the law. So Paul was no longer under the law. But what we read here now in uh, Galatians is the irony that these Gentiles who were not originally under the law, after they became Christians, they now wanted to go under the law. Right? While Paul was not under the law. And so what Paul is saying to them, look, become like me as I became like you. Right? I was someone who was under the law, who moved out from under the law to be free of the law in Jesus Christ. But you guys want to be under the law, but you, could, you should actually become like me. Right? You should become like me back again to be free from the law because you already have Jesus Christ. Now Paul then goes on to speak about how they began well. How they began well when they were not under the law. Paul says, look, um, as you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you'd have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? So the reception that Paul first got when he went to Galatia was one of love and respect and honor. They, they, even though he was sick, they didn't see him as a burden or, or you know, a pain. But, but because of the gospel that he preached to them, they recognized him as someone who was from God, like even like an angel or Jesus Christ himself, they would have torn out their eyes and given it to Paul. And so, initially, when he first went there, they loved him, they respected him, they honored him, they looked up to him. But the funny thing is, after Paul left, what happened? They started hating him, right? They saw him as an enemy. Now, how did this happen? Well, Paul says it wasn't because... He changed, but rather they changed. Paul continued to preach the truth to them, the truth that he'd been entrusted as an apostle, the truth that he had been given as uh, someone divinely uh, entrusted with the gospel. And the truth that he kept preaching to them was Jesus Christ crucified, redeeming them. But what had happened was, after Paul left, a group of people came and they turned the Galatian Christians against Paul. They alienated Paul from the Galatian Christians. Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that they may have zeal, you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good so always, not just when I'm with you. My dear children for whom I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. 
I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Now here, this word zealous is a very important word, right? Zealous means great energy, enthusiasm. It's like you're fanatic about something. And actually, it's good to be zealous as a Christian. When I first became a Christian, my, 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 I remember my father first told me, he says, son, don't be a fanatic. I know you're a Christian now, but don't be a fanatic and go to church every week and Bible study and everything else, right? But actually, the Bible says it's good to be zealous. It's good to be zealous. But Paul says that these false teachers, they were making them zealous for themselves. Right? They were making them zealous for themselves. But this is wrong, right? Um, one of my daily prayer points is something I read in a book many years ago. Whereas a pastor, my job is not to get the congregation to worship me, but to worship Jesus, right? Not to worship the pastor, but to worship Christ. And here, Paul says, they are zealous, but they want you to be zealous for them. And also, they wanted them to be zealous for the works of the law. But Paul is not like that, right? Paul's purpose for them was not to be zealous for the law, but he describes it this way. My dear children, right? He loves them so much. He, he uses the words of a mother to a child. My dear children, for whom I'm again the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So what Paul is saying here is he doesn't want them to be zealous for the teachers or even for the law, but he wants them to be zealous for Jesus Christ. And that is the test, right? That is the test of what is the right zeal, the right zeal. You know, you can be zealous for many things. And I think that we live in a day and age where uh, it's really easy to, not, you know, even beyond the days of the Galatian times, right? It's really easy to be zealous listening to a lot of different teachers online. You know, I, I meet up with people and I've heard people preaching from South Africa, I've heard people preaching from the UK. I've heard pre people preaching from America and Australia. And is it very easy to be zealous for the wrong things? Right? But what we must always ask ourselves is when we listen to any preacher or teacher, are they making us zealous for Jesus Christ? Because Paul says that his aim for them is for them to, in a sense, um, it's like a pregnancy, right? And you know, pregnancy takes time, right? It's not like, you know, you get pregnant today, you have a baby tomorrow. Right? It's like, it takes time, and it's like the baby grows in the mother's stomach. And so, you know, for him, his whole aim is to keep them in this process of being fully formed in Jesus Christ. And the problem is that they're not growing, right? It's like the baby's not growing in the mother's womb, right? Because they become zealous, not for Jesus Christ, but for something else. They become zealous for uh, these other false teachers and they become zealous through these false teachers for the Lord. They're not, they're not being fully formed in Jesus Christ. And so what we've learned here is you can begin well in Jesus, but over time as a Christian, we can become zealous for other things than Jesus Christ. There are many things you can be zealous for, but once your zeal is not in Growing in Jesus Christ, then is zeal for the wrong things. Your focus is wrong. 
Now we now come to the last section. And the last section is actually probably the most complex section of all. So you need to really follow what I'm saying. So chapter 4 says, in verse 21, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? Okay, so the you here again is the Gentiles, right? It's not talking to us. It's saying, you know, you guys, you Gentiles, you want to be under the law, you know what the law says. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and one or the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh or human effort. But his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine promise. Now, this looks back to Genesis chapter 12 to 21. Alright, so in chapter 15 of Genesis, God made Abraham a promise. So that's supposed to symbolize Abraham, okay? And so God said to Abraham, look up at the stars, Abraham. See the stars, right? So shall your offspring be. And what he was saying was, look, when you look up the stars, and obviously in those days, there are, you can see more stars than today because you know we have too many lights now. There were thousands of stars in the sky, right? And, and, and God was saying, look, this is how many offspring you will have. And this is God's promise to Abraham, right? Innumerable offspring. Many years passed. Many, many, many years passed. Abraham became an old man. And Sarah was an old woman. His wife was a very old woman. So they thought, you know, God's not keeping his promise, right? Uh, somehow God's promise has failed. So you know what they did? They tried doing it the human way. Okay? So Sarah gave Abraham her slave maid. And I want you to notice because I got a picture of a young person, okay? So this is the human way, right? So you know, I'm old now. So I'll give you my slave maid who is young. And so they try to do it the human way, according to the flesh. And so a child came forth from this way, which was Ishmael. But many years later, even though Sarah, okay, so Sarah looks much older, right? The wife, God miraculously gave Sarah a child. Okay? And this was in fulfillment promise. The point of the whole thing that Paul is trying to make is who gets the inheritance? Who gets the inheritance? It's not the slave woman that came about through their human effort, right, trying to shortcut the process, but rather it was the free woman, Sarah, who through the miracle of God, the divine miracle of God, received God's promise, Isaac. Now, Using this as a template, using this as, uh, you know, uh, figuratively, so to speak, Paul then goes on. These things are being taken figuratively. The two women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. So Paul then applies what happened to Abraham, and how God works through his promise and his miracle, to the Galatians. He says, look, 
Abraham and Sarah tried to do it the human way, right? They got a young slave woman and tried to, to make their own children. But God's way was through his wife, even though she was old and couldn't and barren. And God still worked his miracle and fulfilled his promise. And through that promise, this is the child that receives the inheritance. Paul now says, look, the law which was given at Mount Sinai and the temple, which continues to apply that law for salvation, this is the human way. This is the fleshly way. And this is not the way that God works, right? This is not the way that God worked in Abraham's time, and this is not the way that God works today. Because the way that God works is through Jesus Christ and the giving of the Holy Spirit to the Galatian Gentiles. Okay, so the, all the flamey things on the heads represent the Holy Spirit, right? And so, what he's saying to them is, look, you guys belong to the free line, the Sarah line. God has done this miracle of salvation in you through the Holy Spirit, and you belong to the heavenly Jerusalem. You belong there because of the promise of God, not because of your own effort. And so what God is trying, what Paul is trying to say here is applied in the last two verses, right? But what does scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and the son. For the slave woman, sorry, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not, so we now, all of us, right, Jew and Gentile, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Can you see what he's trying to say there? There's, you know, it's like the inheritance is strictly for those who belong to the promise, the free, and not to those of the slave, those who do it by human effort or according to the flesh. So Paul is trying to say, look, if you want to choose the slave way to go by your own human effort, then there is no inheritance for you. But for the Galatian Christians, they belong to the free way where God has done His miracle by Jesus Christ and the giving of the Spirit and the fulfillment of His promise. Now, obviously in our day, again, this is cultural gap, right? We're very... Uh, who has slaves? We don't have slaves. But in the ancient world, uh, slave and free was very common societal uh, norm, very, very part, a big part of society. There were slaves everywhere. And so, in the ancient world, if you were free, you would never want to be a slave. Right? And moreover, if you were a, a free person from a rich family with a great inheritance, you would never want to be a slave because the slave never receives the inheritance. And so Paul's point is, now that you are free, free receiving the promise, you are a child of God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, why do you want to go back to slavery? Now, uh, this is me when I was very young. Okay, So if you look at this picture, right, there's something wrong with this picture. It's very disturbing. I'm smoking at a very young age, right? Okay? So, I think like this is like me, I don't know, maybe three or four, with my grandfather's pipe in my mouth. Now, uh, this is my grandfather many years later. My grandfather smoked all his life. 
Right, so as long as I can remember him, he always had a pipe. And there was tobacco everywhere. There was tobacco in the car, there was tobacco in his room. There's just packets of tobacco everywhere and he had many pipes. But, you know, it's like, uh, he told me, don't smoke. <laughs> because, you know why? At the end of the day, he, he was really a slave to uh, nicotine and tobacco all his life. Uh, he suffered from lung cancer. Uh, he had an operation where half his lung was cut out. But even after the operation and surviving the operation, actually surviving lung cancer, he still went back to smoking. And then when he died, he died of a lung failure. Because, you know, partly it's just too much smoking. And so he told me, you know, uh, Drew, he always calls me Drew, right? Drew, don't smoke, huh? Because... Why would I, who's free from the slavery of tobacco, why would I want to put myself in slavery to tobacco? And, and, and you know, why would I want to be suffering like he was? And that's what Paul is basically saying here, right? We can begin well in Jesus Christ, but we can end well because we can choose to go from free to slave and lose our inheritance. So Paul's point is very strong here, right? The Galatian Christians, they are free in Christ. They receive the inheritance of Christ. They receive the promises of God. But they need to, they need to guard their freedom. Stay free. Remain free. I think that's a very important lesson for us too. We who have been saved in Jesus Christ, who have the Holy Spirit, who have the ability to call God Abba Father and who have received inheritance, let us not go into slavery. Right? Not, not, like, learn from the, the, what Paul is telling us. Right? It's like someone who is free from tobacco, choosing to go and be addicted to nicotine. So I hope that as we look at this passage, we will see how important it is to value the freedom that we have and to trust in the work of God and not to put ourselves back into slavery trying to rely on our own human effort and give an open window or a door for powerful spiritual forces to then try to enslave us. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we truly want to commit our souls into your hands. Help us to, to take on board the many difficult concepts that we've learned today. Help us to recognize that indeed there are powerful, elemental, spiritual forces in the world that we live in. And that we can enslave ourselves under them when we try to use human effort to justify or to save ourselves. Help us to see that that is not the way that you work. Help us to learn from the experience of Abraham you are a God who works through your promise. You are a God who works through your divine, miracle, miraculous power to save us through the work of Jesus and through the giving of the Holy Spirit. Now that we are free, we are now part of your family, we are now promised the inheritance. Having begun well, let us finish well, dear Father. Help us to never go back uh, put ourselves once again under the law or trusting in our own human effort. And we 
pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, thank you, Pastor Andrew. We will now have a five-minute breakout session to reflect on the passage and on the sermon. So on this slide, you can see the reflection questions. The first question is, how can Christians begin well but end badly? The second question is, how do some Christians not stay in freedom but go back to slavery? Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.